0: This is an Odyssey Original.
1: This is the War in Ukraine Daily. I'm Charles Feldman. And I'm Mike Simpson from the KNX Odyssey Studios in Los Angeles. Attention recently has been on Russia's shift of focus to eastern Ukraine in what could be a land grab operation. The Russian military hasn't stopped attacking all of Ukraine, though. That point's driven home again today. Several Russian missile strikes deep into the west. The renewed attacks on Ukraine come a day after the Secretaries of Defense and State went to Kiev, highest profile American delegation yet, to visit the capital city as the war rages on. We'll take a closer look at all of that, and we'll get an update from a man we talked to a month Ago, whose mother recently escaped the eastern part of the country, where the Russian military operations have been ramping up.
2: We start with high-profile visits and attacks in Ukraine. Russia unleashed a string of attacks against Ukrainian rail and fuel facilities on Monday. This comes after U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and Secretary of State Antony Blinken met with Ukrainian President Zelensky and other top officials there to discuss U.S. military aid to the country. Journalist. Phil Itner is back with us from Lviv, Ukraine. Phil, thanks for coming back. So this was a big deal that, that such a high-ranking U.S. official, or officials actually, spent time in Kiev. But what actually did they accomplish?
3: Well, a lot was accomplished in terms of messaging, of course. But in addition to that, uh, there were talks that uh, Zelensky has described as very productive. What that means exactly, we don't know. But it is also interesting to note that there was a break in protocol, actually, in the way that that meeting occurred, because Zelensky's office made the announcement that um, Secretary of Defense and Secretary of State would be arriving prior to their arrival. And, um, you know, normally when you're going into a, uh, a conflict zone or someplace where security might be compromised, um, that's kept top secret. But it, it is widely held here, in Ukraine, that it was a direct message to Moscow that now would not be a good time to uh, to hit uh, the Ukrainian capital while you have uh, high-ranking U.S. officials uh, on the ground. So it may have been a way of them actually protecting the secretaries.
1: How does things seem to be going in terms of the support we've pledged and getting it there? ASAP, and then also training the Ukrainians on how to use some of these things. I guess the first kind of round of that is said to be underway outside of Ukraine, right? You, you train them, and then you, you bring them back over so it doesn't look like we're actually there and the troops are on the ground in Ukraine.
3: Yeah, well, I mean, there's an awful lot of weaponry that's being um, uh, given to Ukraine and it's already arriving. Now, um, when you talk about the training program, there's a crash, co- what's being described as a crash course happening in Poland where uh, U.S. uh, uh, trainers are actually uh, teaching Ukrainian artillery uh, soldiers how to use the 155 millimeter howitzers that are going to be sent here. And it's really important uh, from the Ukrainian perspective that they get a longer-distance attack weaponry because What has been happening in uh, places like most notably Mariupol but around the country is that the Russians have been pummeling uh, cities uh, almost indiscriminately with uh, artillery fire, and that's long range. So what what the Ukrainians are requesting is something that will outrange their artillery, in other words, being able to hit the Russians without the Russians being able to retaliate.
2: You know, it's interesting because not too long ago, as, as I'm sure you'll remember, Vladimir Putin cautioned the West about sending weapons to Ukraine. Then he cautioned the West about sending more heavy artillery to Ukraine. What's your best guess on where the line, if there is a line, might be with Putin?
3: Well, that's a very good question. And I think the only person who can answer that would be Vladimir Putin himself. But we have seen um, the Russians being very vocal in their condemnation of Western support uh, for Ukraine in terms of weaponry. Even just today, apparently the uh, the ambassador, the Russian ambassador to the U.S., has reiterated that uh, that call. And they've, they've made a couple of um, thinly veiled threat uh, threats about moving some of their nuclear uh, arsenal to uh, locations around Europe. Um, that, you know, not only in response to weaponry, but it's Finland uh, does actually join, and Norway does join NATO. Um, that, that's been a threat that's been kind of floated out there by the Russians. The problem with Russian threats are, however, that um, you know the, 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 the bear has had a lot of its teeth pulled here in Ukraine. So whether or not they can make good on any of these threats without going to the, the, that extreme of actually using some of these weaponry, whether it's chemical or nuclear, which would then uh, put them in a position where they would be in an absolute pariahs, and and that's just saying if it was a limited sort of use of some of these awful weapons, um, the the response from the international community would, uh, if if they think that they are uh, in trouble now with sanctions or with with being cut off from the global community, then um, you know. The point is that the West has a lot more that they can threaten Russia than what Russia can threaten the West
1: with. Journalist Phil Idner back with us again from Lviv, Ukraine. Phil, thank you as always. We head back to Ukraine now, an update from a man we talked to about a month ago. Ruslan, originally from the Donbas region in eastern Ukraine, left in 2014 as the fighting broke out between Ukraine and Russian separatists, ended up in Kiev, but has since gone to a safer area.
2: His mom remained in the region this whole time, and Ruslan mentioned how he eventually wanted to get her out. Well, he did. His mom has since left Ukraine. Ruslan is back to talk about that and what he's up to now. Ruslan, thank you again for joining us. So you have to be really relieved, I would think, that your mother got out of uh, harm's way. How did you get your mother out of Eastern Ukraine? Uh, It was
0: uh, one hell of a journey I got to say, considering that, you know, with the front line being very close to Donetsk, it was virtually impossible to get her out through Ukraine. So we had to come up with a route that had to go through Russia. And she pretty much went on almost a three day journey to Rostov, the new first, then uh, stayed a night there, then took a train, which uh, travels for almost 20 hours to uh, St. Petersburg, stayed a night there, and then from there, all the way to uh, crossing the border with Estonia, getting on a plane, traveling to Berlin, and finally uh, arriving to her final destination point in in the
2: Netherlands. And uh, so is everybody there now in your family?
0: Uh, unfortunately my my dad he uh passed away exactly during the initial events of uh, russian incursion back in 2014 so oh, my that. mom is my only living relative and yeah like i'm uh <laughs> I, that part i definitely don't have to worry about anymore because she found a lovely host family of uh, people of the same age as she is also very active doing yoga going out for the walks so uh yeah i'm i'm, I'm really happy that she's finally safe and uh, in a much better place than uh, what donetsk unfortunately is right now
1: how easy or or how difficult was it for her to actually get set up with that kind of a situation you know once you got her there it was not an easy journey to get her there as you were saying but but we've, we've seen some of the generosity from from so many of these these families in europe that are taking people in how does that actually happen when you get off the train and and, and you're thinking okay what do i do now
0: it's 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 not exactly easy especially if the person doesn't have the know command of foreign language my mom only speaks russian and ukrainian so uh i had to do what i can remotely from uh from ukraine to make sure that you know she knows the route she needs to take that i reached out to about maybe eight to ten host families uh not everybody replied obviously because some of them are busy but those who did either said that you know oh we're so sorry we're only hosting somebody or you know here's another uh person you can potentially talk to and, you know, out of all those people, eventually uh, somebody responded. And uh, thanks God, you know, people in, uh, in Western Europe do speak English. So a communication barrier for me and them was not an issue. And then I guess, yeah, you know, those who, uh, those who seek shall find. And we did find a great host family for her.
2: Is it your intention eventually to join up with your mother in the Netherlands?
0: Right now, I don't think so. And I mean, I'm not building such a you know, long term plan as of now because the war is still far from over. And as I mentioned, you know, during the last conversation, we're still coordinating a lot of uh, volunteer and supply provision efforts for uh, refugees to make sure that, you know, people that are fleeing from the war torn cities, they have the necessary supplies to either, you know, uh, find some temporary shelter in the western part of Ukraine or continue their journey further west so uh for me personally there's still a lot of work to be done and uh that's what i'm trying to focus on right now
1: tell us more about that how you get these things for the people and what they need and, and how you kind of try and at least set them on their way in the best position possible
0: um the, the, there is uh, obviously you know a lesser influx of refugees as of now because a lot of people have already left so lately we focused our attention more on providing Immediate uh, medical supplies for those fighting on the front lines, and for those who are providing uh, immediate medical assistance to citizens that are still caught up in the fighting. Um, we're mostly uh, focused on providing uh, medical tourniquets that are used to stopping uh, bleeding from, you know, gun sh- gunfire wounds, shrapnel, etc. And uh, so far, we've been coordinating with one of the medical uh, battalion volunteer groups here in Ukraine. We know that they're uh, closely interacting with soldiers on the front lines, and thanks to our connection to them and also to a lot of the donor support that we're getting, we're able to provide them with uh, over 3,000 medical tourniquets by
2: now. What is your sense from where you are on how this whole conflict is shaping up now, Or, or maybe it's still too early to tell?
0: Obviously, a lot of information is coming in mostly from uh, you know from media, from social media especially. Um, considering that the and this is obviously very subjective, but the propaganda level is significantly less in Ukraine compared to what Russia is dishing out to their citizens, to the outside world. Um, what we are seeing based on the conversations from those Russian soldiers and those militants that they conscripted from thebass region, Um, Obviously, you know, they're they're not exactly willing to fight and they're not exactly aware of what they're being thrown into by the Russian military command. Um, By the looks of it, you know, Russians just don't have enough enough military personnel to continue this invasion. And, uh, you know, at some point, this insane war machine that they spun up, it will grind to a halt. So, uh, you know, hopefully it's going to happen sooner than later. And judging by the fact that they are trying to literally, you know, ensue havoc and terror on their own territories by uh, blowing up those uh, fuel reserves, etc. cetera, I, I think the end is near for them.
1: How are, are you holding up personally?
0: Uh, you know, I, <laughs> unlike many uh, of my fellow citizens, I can't complain. I have a roof over my head. I have uh, food to put on the table for tomorrow. I don't have to worry about the health and safety of my relatives. So I'm just uh, focusing on my energy and attention to helping those that are, you know, less fortunate right now.
1: Ruslan, thank you so much for speaking to us again. Uh, we hope we can we can stay in touch. We're glad that your uh, your mom is, is somewhere much, much safer as well. Thanks again. This is an Odyssey original. Find us and others on the Odyssey app, Apple Podcasts, at Google Podcasts and on Stitcher.